Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hi, everyone. Hello. What's up? Yay. It's going to be a good one. Lovely to see you. So, (laughs) so excited. We're so glad you're here, Dan. Yes. One piece. You are here. We are excited, y'all, to bring you our friends. My friend, new friend for Christy, Dan Jablonski. He is an IT exec with National Grid living in Boston. You won't hear that Boston accent because he grew up in the Midwest, but, and has lived all over, but, but that is where he is now. And the reason that I met Dan was through the path, this Naked Mind path, December, 2020 group, shout out to our laser show friends, as we called ourselves. We met every Tuesday at 11 AM for our weekly call together. So every week for 52 weeks for a whole year. And, and we had a lot of fun together and Dan was such a sport as our one male in in a yeah. sea in a sea of women on <laughs> on those coaching calls in our whole coaching group, which had several hundred, there were only a handful of guys. And I want to get into as we get into your story, I want to hear more about what that perspective was like for you as the the one guy in a sea of women. And you know, we'll get there. But sure. first, welcome and let's uh. Let's hear how it all began for Get you. Into it. Yeah. And, yeah. And thanks so much for reaching out and inviting me to do this with everybody. I think this is really great and I'm excited. And I hope we get hope we can get deep into some of the into some of the topic areas and, and really get some value for everybody, which I think would be lovely. Yeah. We're yes, so glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Do you want me to just start with uh, kind of a bit about me and what the journey was? Yeah. Yeah. Jump, jump in wherever, you know, I'm thinking about Dan of November, 2020, which led him, well, October of 2020 that led to the live alcohol experiment and then uh, the path. But, you know, why don't you take us to like, how did you get to that point? Through the journey. Yeah, sure. It was part of uh, of me as we call, I think you were, we referred to you as coach y'all a lot of the time. That's right. And in that class, which was, which was great. Yeah. You know, the beginnings of it were tough. And I, I always appreciated how comfortable you made the group at the beginning and the outset. I think, you know, in the first call, there was a whole lot of nervous, scared individuals. And I was absolutely one of them on day one, for sure. But yeah, let me, let me sort of like, I'll just give like a quick sort of history of it. And then, and then I think we can get into that because that's where things really start getting vulnerable and challenging, which, and those are such those were such critical elements to being successful on an alcohol-free journey. I mean, they're just, they're really critical and they can be intimidating and ultimately they don't, they just don't ultimately need to be, but they kind of are out of the gate, especially as a guy. So a bit about me, right? I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in St. Louis, you know, still a Cardinal fan. I actually went to, to college in Atlanta, me down where, you know, down where you are as well. It's Friday, yeah, Emory, so right? Emory University class in 97. Yes. And um, so I was so I, I was there as part of that group. And, um, you know, my career kind of bounced me around a number of places. You know, it's, it's getting better now, but St. Louis wasn't particularly a hotbed in the world of, of IT at the time. And 
I, you know, my first job out of college was in Dallas. Then I was in Florida for a year. And then that after that is when life took a pretty, took a turn for me. And I moved out to San Francisco in 1999, right in the middle of the big dot-com bubble, the first one. I was there for five years, lived in Manhattan, uh, got married, bought a house out in Long Island. And, you know, things have changed. So now I'm up here in Boston. But that, you know, I... I can kind of tell some of the alcohol-based stories along the way from it and, and why that move to San Francisco became became a pivotal one. Yeah. So and and probably for I'd imagine for a lot of the guys out there, some of this was the same. And I mean, maybe you remember this, the you know, the two you maybe not, but it was almost like as soon as you got within sniffing distance of a driver's license in high school, it's like the first mission was where can we go and who's the first person who can drive and how can we get our hands on some alcohol because alcohol equals freedom and it equals, you know, adulthood and it equals coolness and all those sorts of things that were there. And I was right in the thick of every single bit of that all the way through, you know, and it started early, like well before age 21, this, you know, this starts at 15, 16 at the time around there, you know, then went to college and a lot of that was the same, you know, the kind of the classic collegiate, binge drinking, right? You know, you find your way to the local uh, place that'll let you, even though you're underage, you get some sort of horrible fake ID that wouldn't pass anything. I had all that same stuff and you find your way around and through it, but it still didn't seem, you know, too abnormal or different or anything like that. I mean, it was just kind of, it was just kind of blending in and that was the social world. And you know, that's it, like, it is what it is, is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't, it's what we all did. It's what we all did. Like, you know, there's no, I, I personally don't see any sense in being regretful about it because yeah. it, it happened. And I don't even think that's where things really started to take a, a turn for the worse. Yeah. Um, when I moved out to San Francisco, that was a big life shift for me because that was when my life changed from being living in kind of the typical American suburban life to living this little bit like fancier urban life, like living right in San Francisco, living right in New York City, et cetera. But you know, that was where, you know, as we got into our late 20s, kind of early 30s, you started to get, you know, a good financial footing beneath you. And you decide it's not, it's, it's time to leave behind, you know, the pitchers of cheap beer. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I remember when I lived in San Francisco going on this mission to get rid of all the particle board based furniture that I still had from college days. Love that. Yeah. Remember all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my husband brought a lot of it to our marriage. I'm like, that's no, you're that's, not bringing this in the house. No, that's got to go. That's yeah. it's time. That stuff's got to go. It's like the symbol of childhood. So, I, you know, I was kind of equate St. Louis is where I grew up, but San Francisco is where I became a grown up. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. now, for better or for worse, how some of that happened was, as you become a grown up, that's when you can get sucked in big time to that whole food and wine culture. Yeah, and that's where to me, drinking got really sticky as an adult mm. and it just be, you learn to do it in that, you know, as you get older, chicken wings and cheap beer are no longer the acceptable modicum of, of alcohol consumption, right? It, it becomes, mm-hmm. well, we've learned about food and wine. We've learned how to cook. Let's go to the wineries. Let's get these things. And, it, and that starts from a, a weekend kind of thing or a weekend adventure. And then it starts to become part of daily life. And that's really what it was for me was how it became a daily life thing. And for it, and at first you, you know, that the slow burn of it is what I, this is how I think of it. Like the slow burn of it is 
well, this is a very adult thing to do. Isn't this great? Like, look how much, look how much I know about wine. Like, this mm-hmm. is outstanding. Like, everybody try this. Everybody try that. Like, we can cook and drink and we can do this thing. And aren't we just so fantastically. So fancy. So fantastically fancy and sophisticated, right? <laughs> the, um, and I, I'd imagine that was, that's the journey that a lot of people went down and are probably still on. Yeah. And for me, it got to it like I, I just I was never able really to let go of it. And I feel I, to this day, I feel, you know, deeply for those whose problematic relationship with alcohol is, you know, blackout drinking and you wake up somewhere and you don't know how you mm-hmm. got there, et cetera. And that's really tough. And I know we had we had we had some of those on the path with us as well. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my story. Yeah, that wasn't me. For me, it was consistent. It was there all the time. The way I marked the end of every day was to go to the, you know, go to your fancy grocery store nearby, get some nice ingredients, stop next door to your good friend who runs the wine store. Yeah. And you get your wine, you get your whatever it may be. You know, I, 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 I was mostly a wine person that it became actually a move towards sake. And it was incredible. The, negotiations you make your, with yourself along the way. Well, red wine's giving me heartburns. So let's try white wine. Well, I don't like that as much. Let's try something else. Try something uh-huh. else. Try something else. We and, yep. mm-hmm. Right. And so you go down that, you go down that search and, um, what it, what it took from me more than anything else, um, tangibly was an ability to sleep. My, like my struggle with alcohol induced insomnia was terrible. And it, ha- you know, and it happened in a way that, yeah, you could get by and it wouldn't happen every night, but sometimes I'd have these bouts where it was two or three nights a week or it'd start to happen in a row or it would start to snowball. And sometimes, you know, I'd wonder, so when was the last time I, I didn't have a drink in a day? I was like, yeah. who, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, you know, I could probably count on, on one at most two hands, the amount of times I didn't have some alcohol, you know any night. It wasn't always a lot, but it was always something. And yeah, that first line of the book, this naked mind that, you know, 3.33 AM, I wake up, you know, every day, same thing. Yep. I mean, that just grabbed me because it's all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, at one point I read the book and, you know, did kind of a, a 30 day thing and convinced myself that I had reset my relationship with alcohol, mm-hmm. but I hadn't. Right. And as soon as, as soon as I kind of allowed myself back into the space, I was right back to where I was within a matter of weeks, basically. Mm -hmm. It really didn't take long. And I just remember from like an insomnia perspective, there was one, it was a, it was a Sunday night and it was November the 28th, 2020. And you know, nothing crazy, but you know, the usual fancy stuff, got some oysters, got some champagne, hung out and did that, you know, made a nice dinner, went to bed at 11, 11.30 and just woke up at one. Couldn't go back to sleep. Tried sleeping in another room. Tried to cool myself down. And I just remember that morning, you know, staring down the barrel of a five-day work week, feeling like that. And it was just like, this has to stop and it has to stop now. It has to stop right now. I cannot keep doing this. That day, I logged into the PATH website. I'm like, I'm not doing this month to month crap. And I bought the whole year. It's like, I'm going in for the whole thing. 
That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going in for the whole thing. And, you know, and so day one was, was, was December one, right? So it kind of like hung on to get to that day. And we had our first call with you, with you and a whole bunch of people on December one. Uh. And you know, when I realized how deeply run the, those subconscious patterns were, was mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was, I wasn't working from home that day. I, you know, my, my wife had, uh, you know, she had an office of her own and sometimes I just wanted to get out of the house. So I went to go work from there or thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll go through my work day and I'll do this call. And then, yeah, I guess we'll wrap up the day and uh, what do I want to make for dinner? And, and what do I want to drink with it tonight? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was just, honestly, it was this kind of crippling moment. And I remember I, I cried for just like 10 minutes. Mm. It just stopped and just like, I don't know if it was before the call or after the call, but it, it just kind of rang a bell about, you know, the, the, the reality in the book and in everything that's talked about in the path about how deep those patterns run. Mm-hmm. But what was encouraging was that I knew that there was a way to do something about it. Mm. And it had nothing to do with discipline intensity, toughing or broing your way through it, <laughs> doesn't work. Tried it a whole bunch of times and that doesn't work. Yeah. And you know, to link this to kind of the challenges of being, you know, being a human male inside of that space is being willing to be vulnerable and to show up mm-hmm. and to accept that there is an environment where you can be vulnerable can share these stories. I mean, that's a blessing being willing to be in a group of women like that, because it's not as much about solutions as it is about vulnerability, support, and sharing. And so just being willing to do that and to show up. And I, you know, and I knew that with the program that I wasn't going to be able to do all the homework assignments and I wasn't going to be able to do all the reading. And I wasn't going to be able to do multiple coaching calls a week, but, you know, I worked, you know, I, I spoke to the guy that I work with. And I was like, I, I, this is important to me to go down this journey. And Tuesdays at 11 need to be sacred. And I work in corporate America and we have a heavy, heavy meeting culture, very heavy meeting culture. And it was Tuesdays at 11, Dan isn't available. Like, That's period. amazing. And yeah, yeah, he showed up every single week. And that was the one, I mean, like you said, like there is, there is a lot of content that comes. There's a lot of, there are a lot of things you can do on this journey, but uh, you know, if we can kind of boil it down to this kind of one, like picking one thing, committing to one thing that you're going to do. And that is, and, and continuing to show up for that one thing and, and the, you know, coaching call being super valuable, being in a group of people where uh, you can hear from other people's experiences and challenges and, get some coaching and, you know, put it all together, have that kind of weekly check-in. Um, you know. Yeah. And it was, it, there's a lot of those phrases that can stick with people. And to me, one of them I always loved was 90% of success is showing up. Mm-hmm. So if you just show up, you know, and you know that some people are going to struggle, some are going to, some are going to do pretty well on it. Some will mm-hmm. have a struggle six or eight months later, but you know, People are there for one another and it is not a, you know, judgment or shame based place. I mean, all of a sudden that starts to sound pretty welcoming. 
Yeah. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but yeah. it can start to sound really, you know, really welcoming and like a really great place to be. I think about though, how much courage it took to go to your boss and say like, or, you know, your team member and say like, this is, this is what I'm doing and I have to protect this because I can hear, I mean, what I also thought too, in a different sense, even though I wasn't, well, I kind of was in the world, but you know, like I don't have, I don't have time for that. I mean, I think that's something that all of us have said at one point or another and what really I don't have time for really just means, you know, this isn't a priority to me often, but something like doing, you know, joining this year-long coaching group to explore your relationship to alcohol and, you know, figure out how to live free of alcohol. Um, that just, it just takes a lot of, yeah, guts to be able to say like, I'm doing this and in the middle of the workday. And so like, what did you, was that a really conscious decision? Did you have to like build up to, okay, now I need to talk to him about this and carve this out? Or how did you do that? Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough that I, that I, I knew him from before. So it wasn't, and that worked, but honestly, if it was anybody, I'd have said the same thing. Yeah. And it you really wouldn't, it really wouldn't have mattered because it's not a power, it's not a strength thing. And it's, and, and what I mean by that is like changing your relationship in your life with alcohol and getting to a point where it no longer has a place in your life and you don't value it has nothing to do with toughing your way through it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing how little suffering there actually is along the way if you follow this so good it was say more about that Mm -hmm. like one of the things i like quite a bit uh, you know in corporate america that's happening is vulnerability and leadership it's happening a lot now you know there's there's trainings about it there it's really like the world is shifting and shifting in a good way towards that Mm. that has a you know an underlying concept about vulnerability equating to power and equating to strength because you can't relate to somebody who's just a stoic robot i mean it's still the corporate world you still have to perform you know it's still ultimately about a about a bottom line yeah but if you're going to create a high functioning team mm-hmm. of people at any level there has to be deep levels of trust and you, that is impossible to establish without vulnerability it just it cannot be done so would you say that the path that the coaching group was something that allowed you to kind of tap into that side of you that was maybe not you know that was maybe more dormant or you know that brought it out or yeah Yeah. i i'd say what i'd like i'm gonna broaden that question a little bit yeah if that's that's yeah please you know i'd encourage any guys who are out here listening to this you know whole thing that it's it's not just about the coaching constructs inside of the path. Yeah. Because as I think about our Tuesday calls, like your main strategy with coaching was not to actually coach a whole lot. It was like, if, if people didn't want to talk, you'd sit there quiet as a stone until that people would the worst. to speak. And then and encourage. We them. were building resilience <laughs> and discomfort. Yes, yeah. we were. Yeah, it was strategic. Absolutely. You're right. And, yeah. You know, and, and there's so, some of those things that are there. Now, you know, what's good about having a sizable mm-hmm. enough group is there are a couple of us who were quite comfortable being the conversational catalyst. Like Lee was very much that way, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I was no shrinking violet on the wall when it came to, to talking. And so, but you don't need a ton. You just need a couple. 
like who are, who are mm-hmm. willing to just speak and then everybody else becomes more comfortable and then it becomes mm-hmm. a regular discussion that everyone's looking forward to over and over again. So it's not so much about, here's your lesson plan. Did you do your homework? You know, mm-hmm. did, did you get this thing? Like it, it, that was not about it at all. Um, if I, like I have a confession to make. I don't know that I did any of the homework <laughs> the entire time, to be honest with you. About the reading, like I, th- I think at one point I was like, "All right, I'll poke into one because it's like I'm just like I, I'm just not doing it." But like I just didn't. I remember this, Dan. I remember <laughs> this. I was keeping I was keeping score of who was doing their homework. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't. But no, I remember that. In and I think what you're about to get to is the power of. Yeah, go ahead. So where where is the power in all this, right? If it's not about the studying and if it's not so much about the homework, it's it's the showing up. It's the personal the, responsibility. The understanding that. <laughs> It doesn't, and it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. miserable. It's not like responsible, like I am responsible for going through this like painful journey. Like, no, that's not it. Like the only thing that you're responsible for is being open and being willing to try to learn and understand a new way. Mm-hmm. A 100%. Way that mm-hmm. yeah. isn't, that isn't a, a disciplined approach. I mean, I think I would use the analogy, like, you know, trying to use willpower for any kind, getting rid of any kind of addiction is like trying to hold yourself at the top of a pull-up for the rest of your life. Mm. It's not going to work. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, things would link to those, but there's other things that are out there, right? It's like, but most men have, you know, female influences in their life of some kind. And the entire sort of, you know, wellness world is very heavily marketed to the, the female community in the female world. And it might not resonate as deeply with all guys out there, but it's, it's like going to church. Like, you know, it's going to church is not always a revolutionary experience, but there's always something you can get out of it every time. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way. So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're open to those kinds of experiences and being a part of it, just see what you get out of it, then all of a sudden the vulnerability becomes a little bit easier. Mm. And the being in a, less disciplined macho I'm you know I'm I can quit drinking because I'm tougher than you like mm. that's not that's not the way and it's really really hard to do it that way so you know it it, yeah. it goes beyond the sphere of just the you know the, the coaching constructs in the path but something like this which you guys do in your own private practices are mm-hmm. a, you know a more one-to-one or smaller group version of the same thing we, yeah, we always talk about this is the space where we're showing up learning how to be human. So yes, while we're focused on exploring our relationship to alcohol and transforming that relationship to alcohol, it's about alcohol, but also it's about more than that. It's about yeah. learning how to show up and be human in spaces where we've you know spent a lifetime of you know collecting masks that we wear to protect ourselves from our vulnerability and male or female and sure. and then the things that help us get through the stress and tension of, you know, not being all the things to all the people. And so what you really highlight is the power of being in a space connected to other humans who are literally all you have to do is show up and be willing to, like you said, try something differently. It's the experiential knowledge that Chrissy, you know, that I always talk about too, where we can take in new information and that's important. It's valid. Like learn about alcohol um, and the effects that it has on on us. Help that change the information, update the information you have about, you know, those rewards that you think alcohol gives you. But 
also the application side of it, the experiential knowledge of like getting into, you know, a space where either one-to-one with a coach or a group with other people and a coach where you can, where you can learn how to do the vulnerability thing. And by that, it's just like, that's the place where you just get to show up and just be like, it's yeah. not, you have to, you know, confess your deep, dark secrets or, and we no, have a lot, we had, we had a lot of fun doing, oh, doing yeah. that on our time together. Will you remind me, I, I, take me back to like some of the fears that you had, cause you didn't have like a rock bottom, just like neither of us no. did. What was like that, that, I mean, you described that pivotal moment, but like before that pivotal moment on November 28th, 2020, like what were some of the fears or how was it showing up for you in your thinking about drinking that maybe I need to do something about this? What were some of those like little nigglings that, you know, maybe something needed to change? Yeah. Other than the sleep, the sleep was, Uh yeah. It's, oh, sure. I mean, that that was the tangible thing, right? So Mm -hmm. I, the question is more about what are the little intangible things in your head that you, that you knew and you know for a long time, and then and, what fe- and what fears came as a result of like oh wait I'm starting to notice this and oh no uh-huh. yeah the 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 truth is yeah. everybody who's got a challenged relationship with alcohol where it negatively impacts their life knows it <laughs> you knew it yeah I knew it. Everybody who's been through the path knew it. Everybody yeah. who's ever bought the book knows it. Everybody who hasn't bought the book yet knows it. Everybody who might be listening to this podcast knows it. Everybody knows it. It's like deep down, you know it. Like you, you, you know the truth. And from, you know, kind of from a from a guy's perspective, like there, you know, t- there's ways we're supposed to be according to society, just like the way that there's ways women are supposed to be according to society. And you know, by what's kind of pounded into a lot of our brains through our lives is, you know, you're supposed to have it together no matter what. You're supposed to provide. You're supposed to have a great career. You're supposed to be fit. You're supposed to be, da, 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 you know, whatever all the things are, like you're supposed to be those things. And some of those are attainable. Some are just society telling you to be perfect, but, you know, that's not possible. But what everybody knows is that if you, if, Alcohol is a problematic part of your life. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that it's in the way of you becoming who you actually want to be. It's just, it's just in the way. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember I, I wrote a letter to myself at one point, and that was the title of it: was "It's in the way." Mm-hmm. It's a, it's in the way of me being the husband I wanted to be. It's in the way of me being mm-hmm. the athlete yeah, that I wanted good. to be. It's in the way of me being spiritually connected in the way that I wanted to be. It's in the way of the quality career that I wanted to build. It was just, it's in the way of everything because it's just always there. Oh, yeah. And you're always either fighting through a fog or figuring out when you can get to your day of executing (laughs) every single day. (laughs) Whatever that is. I think one time we joked about in all the calls, like, have you guys ever hurried through an event that you're supposed to be at just so you can get back home and do it the way that you like to? Yeah. And we all laughed and said, oh, yeah. And, you know, every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. which, yeah, you think about the how ludicrous that is. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just surviving until, you know, five or six o'clock when that thing goes off in your head that says, where's, mm-hmm. my, where's my alcohol? Like, it, it's, it's, you know, it's time for us to 
wind down. It's time for us to do our thing. And the thing is, we all know it. Like that's that's the whole that's the whole deal. It's like you know it, but you know, just embracing that reality that mm-hmm. for any addiction, your conscious mind is not calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not. Mm-hmm. And that's why it always goes off. That's why it always becomes a regular part of your life. And that's why it always makes you happy even though your conscious mind knows it doesn't. So then the question becomes, well, then how do you do something about it? Because mm-hmm. you know you can't tough your way through it. That doesn't work, right? Like, you know, what's the way, and, you know, and the, you know, I guess I'd say, look, like this mechanism worked for me and I know that AA has worked for a whole bunch of people. I just didn't feel that that was something that I could relate to in it. Yeah. Right? And. Same. um I don't know if I can necessarily say why. Like, you know, I I could maybe Mm -hmm. speculate on it, but I'm just willing to bet that there's probably a decent amount of guys who are either listening to this podcast or whose wives are going to make them listen to this podcast. And then we'll um, say like, yeah, like, you know, I don't think I could relate to to the AA bunch. So what am Mm -hmm. I going to do? What are my, yeah, what are are my options? And one thing I'd add to it about going through, because we talked a lot about, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, the vulnerability and, and, being in, and being in place and willing to be present and just everybody knows it, right? It's like if you if you have a problematic relationship with alcohol and if it's in the way, you absolutely know that it's in the way. But I, I would add a couple things here. So some really cool stuff starts to happen as you start moving alcohol out of your life that you would not anticipate would happen. So this is my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't expect these things to happen, but they do. Mm-hmm. And I, I experienced it firsthand many times, especially as I was, as I was like, you know, going through the path, especially on the beginning. And it was, you know, we're all social creatures. We like to hang out with people. We like to show off our, you know, our, our success and our socialness and drinking, cooking, going to restaurants with people. But as soon as you put out there, let's say you're at a dinner party, Right, or some sort of you know happy hour event thing. Because you know, by the way, you can just go to the exact same things you always did in your whole life, just without alcohol. They all still happen just fine, and every yeah. single one of them is still really, really fun in the exact same way. Alcohol, it just doesn't help. Like you just do the same stuff just without the drink in your hand. Yeah, yeah. But you become the most interesting person in the room, like mm. by a lot, very, mm. very quickly. And if you're like, and just. I, like, I I think one of the things I would say on the call was, you know, say it loud and wear it proud. Like, I'm not drinking. Yeah. Say it. Just, yeah. you know, put it out. You don't have to, like, there's no reason to to hide it. And in fact, the more open you are about it, the more interesting you become. Mm. Mm-hmm. To your guy friends, to the other women in the room, to, to everybody else. Like, really? How did you do that? Like, mm. I've really been curious about how I can do that. Like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder about this. And then they get a little self-conscious as they're like, pouring their, you know, second glass of what have you. But mm-hmm. right out of the gate, everybody wants to talk to you. Mm. Because you know, you just put out there, yeah, it's you different. Just, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just, I'm just stop. You know, I, yeah, I'm taking a different approach than you think. Oh, did you? Like usually you get the what happened. It's like nothing happened. Like yeah. I just I'm tired of this. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I just kind of want to change it. I'm just gonna go about my life the same way that I always did, just without the alcohol. Mm. And you know, you'll you'll find that all kinds of people start having questions. They'll reach out to you later. What was your journey? Like, how did you go to it? It's like, oh, well, Dan managed to to do this. How did he do it? Maybe we can mm-hmm. ask him. I'm curious about it. That and you find a lot of that happens. 
And by the way, even if you're kind of hanging out one-on-one with a, you know, with a guy friend of yours or something, by the time everybody's halfway through drinking, not halfway through, but I'd say by the time they're in, by the time they're finished with that part of the conversation, asking you how you did it, what your approach was, and they start to share some of their own vulnerability about it, then the party starts to happen and nobody cares that you don't drink. Yeah. 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 No one. And, they, like, <laughs> and you're amazing at dart. You win at darts every oh, single yes. time. Yeah, <laughs> there's those things. It's like, you know, I remember when some of my buddies like playing darts in the garage. I, I was a pretty decent dart player to begin with. But as soon as their hand-eye coordination, I just slaughtered them all. Dominate. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, every single one of them. Just, yeah, come over and play some darts. It was just like. Yeah, kick so, up his competitive juices. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I I love that. And I I think about how, there are so many ways our mind keeps us trapped in the, you know, the fear space and keeps us from being able to step into a, a room full of people who are going to be drinking and confidently and boldly like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't drink and allow that to be an experience that's different than going into it. Like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to know. And what do I say? And what do I do? You know, it's all about how you go into that and you enter, you entered into that space and you were able to gain that experiential knowledge that kind of locked it in that all of a sudden, yeah, it is, it's, pretty pretty cool to to be the one you know person that's not drinking and you start to kind of wear it as like a badge of honor which yeah. opens the door to more conversations for other people um, it is, it's and i know this is this is a hard kind of leap of faith for people to take with it around just saying it's like no like i'm i'm done like i'm, I'm done with it and it no longer has a place for me in my life and that's what i'm either working towards or that's what i've done or that's what i'm doing it's very different than no, I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm on a 30 day thing mm-hmm. or I'm doing dry January, or I'm taking a couple of weeks off. Cause then it's, it's the difference between this is a, it's much more, much more powerful to say, this is a life change that I am consciously choosing to make for myself mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, I got to suffer through a couple of weeks here and then I'll, yeah. don't worry, I'll be back then. Yeah. Different. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a hard thing to say. It's, it's a hard leap for someone to, to take in it, but it's a much bigger thing. So how did it change? How does, so you've been free from alcohol. Gosh, can you believe like, it'll be, what are, I guess it'll be three years in November. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, can you believe how easy it's been to not drink alcohol in that time? I mean, that's, I think the thing that I still, I'm like how it's, it, I've had zero, zero desire, zero temptation to drink alcohol one time in, since December 1st, 2019. I've been through some What's hard your experience? stuff mm-hmm. along the way, you know, divorce, et cetera. You have these things, which I'm sure a lot of people struggle with and go through, still never wanted to. Yeah. It just, once, once the desire of it is just, is just gone and it'll go away on its own. Like that's the thing. It's like, it's not something you have to push or shove away. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll, it'll just go on its own. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't want to. And it's, I think it, I used to say, like, come, come join me on the dark side of the force. It's better over <laughs> here. Like, it's just everything about it is better. You know, I love where I live. Being here in Boston is great. I get to be part of a competitive rowing team. And I row at, I get up at four o'clock in the morning, three days a week to row on the Charles River, which is like the center of the rowing universe in the United States as the sunrise comes up over the basin. And I get to have these moments of gratitude, you know, rowing in a beautiful place, 
I would never get to have those if alcohol was still in my life. Maybe this is true of women too, but but I find this that men who have been fr- are free from alcohol, they start aging in reverse and it's really <laughs> not fair. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, does. it does, but I feel like it's more <laughs> noticeable for, for the dudes. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just, yeah, it's I mean, true. About, about 20 pounds lighter. Yeah, Dan, you just, shared that picture with us. You know, but you're, yeah. yeah. Tell us. I, I, I took a picture the morning after, you know, of, of November 29. And if I flashed that picture up, you, you'd be like, that's not the same guy. Yeah. No way is that the same person. All that really starts to, to change on its own. It, it, it very much does. Yeah, I, th- I, I don't know. I think that that's a great thing. It's just, that'll just happen on its own. But, you know, it's, and that part takes a little bit of time. Like, I remember one of the things too was, it, it, we kind of had to like chase down one rabbit at a time right now. Like if, if changing your relationship with alcohol matters and your brain is used to getting the sugar fix from alcohol at six o'clock every night and your way of dealing with that for the time being is having three donuts, have darn three donuts. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we're not, we're not dealing, we're not dealing with weight loss. We're not trying to solve a hundred problems at a time mm-hmm. right now. We're, 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 we're focusing on the relationship with alcohol about it mm-hmm. and how those things will, will change and just will manifest on their own in the better. I remember I, I had one thing, I had a note here too, that yeah, I had, that had saying, that was like, I, I still, I still don't know if I ever say that I, that I quit drinking and, re- Oh yeah. I said, you remember there was a, like I said, I didn't, I didn't quit drinking. I retired from it. Yeah. I, I retired from the obligations of being someone who has to drink every day. And yes. I, just, I just retired. It was exhausting. I'm done with it. Just retired. That's, that's what Christy and I say too. Yeah. Retired from having to drink. Like the way that you just said that retired from having to drink, who knew God, that we exhausting. didn't have to drink ever again. Like that, that, I mean, that sounds so silly when it comes out, but that's exactly where I was, where I was like, wait, I get to have a choice in this? What do you mean I don't have to do this every single day for the rest of my life? Amazing. That is yeah. that is freedom. That is so, so cool. So what would, Christy, I, I didn't want to jump to, you know, our, our Tina too soon if you had a question, but so like, I'm thinking about the the listener who is out there, you know, yeah, is listening and going, oh my gosh, like this, yeah, this podcast is not just for my wife or my sister or my, you know, whatever. So what would you encourage that listener with that maybe speaking to the guys, like yeah. what would you encourage that listener? Well, who's uh, like, I, think I don't have a rock bottom. It's not taking up too too much space in my life. I mean, yes, I can see where my sleep is suffering. And yes, maybe I'd be a little bit, you know, more productive with work. But like, what would you say to that guy? Yeah. What I'd say is, but you really actually know that it is. Mm. And you don't have to bottom out and wake up in a hotel closet three states away and not know how you got there. There's there's no glory in that, in doing it. And I absolutely suffer for I, I understand that I feel for people who suffer their way through it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're a guy who might be frustrated or a little confused right now because your wife or significant other may be deciding mm-hmm. that she's let it go. And maybe mm. you're feeling some sort of direct or indirect pressure about it too. Yeah. Speak to those and, guys. And you have, a, you know, maybe you're getting, feel like, like you're getting pushed a little bit, like, Hey, you have a problem, mm. but, and you may, you may, be trying to tell yourself that you don't, but deep down, you really know that you do. 
Mm-hmm. And you really know that although it isn't a disastrous part of your life, and you know that you can be a what the functional the, the functional alcoholic or it really isn't there really isn't in the way and this is just kind of how it is in the world today and you know you enjoy it you enjoy air quotes on the alcoholic so, part by the way Dan did oh. air quotes you couldn't you guys can't see it but he did air quotes you know I'm a fan of air quotes <laughs> oh sorry right. air just quotes on the on the functional aspects of it on the on the functional alcoholic part yeah sorry carry on but you know that you cannot be the person that you really want to be. And the person that you're really capable of being. And you know that you're inexorably drawn to doing it just because that's how that's what you always have done. And don't forget that you will become the most interesting person in the room if you mm-hmm. decide to let it go. Mm-hmm. And you can be a better husband, you can be a better athlete, you can have a better career. There's just there's many, many more things that you could do that you know when you look back on your life at the end, that you'll be happier that you did them. You know, that saying that you'll, you'll regret the things you didn't do, not the things you did. You will not remember that eighth glass of that fantastic Pinot Noir that you had on whatever, like you just won't, that's not, that doesn't matter at the end of it. So, you know, if you're willing to just show up, be vulnerable, try something different, you can get to a better place in a way that's not miserable, in a way that's enjoyable, in the way that you don't need to suffer through it. It's just better over here. Yeah, I love it so much. That radical, radical honesty with where you are and that, that opening to so true, so good, um, that opening to just trying differently and maybe vulnerably i mean that's such a i feel like vulnerably vulnerable is word but yeah right it doesn't mean you're like a wet noodle right it just means that you're it just means that you that you know you're a human with human struggles and human emotions just like the rest of us it doesn't mean that you have to just turn into some puddle like it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that at all it just means like yes i'm struggling with this here's my story this is what's this is what's hard for me this is how this is my pattern like is it does anybody else out there have this have this issue? Yeah, that's, that's just what vulnerability is. It's not, you know, it's yeah. Um, one of my favorite teachers, he says, we don't do vulnerable. We are vulnerable. That's how God created us. Because of Genesis three, we do a really good job of hiding and protecting our vulnerability with the many masks, you know, we wear and all of the, you know, adaptive personality things that we do and the easy buttons, alcohol included. Being vulnerable is when you're more aligned with who you're created to be, that there is an element of, of course, lightness and peace and freedom that comes just in in doing that. So, yeah. you know, kind of like we talked in the beginning, it's like, so it's about the drinking and it's also about so much more than that, but in a really, you know, finding finding the right space for you in a really fun, not suffering kind of way, that's what's possible. Um, how many times in the last three years have you regretted not drinking? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Not a single yeah. time. And and still, you know, even if I even if I'm stressed and I don't have a, a great night's sleep, which happens very, very rarely, by the way, it's still a million times better than yes. my average alcohol soaked ones. So like, no, I I I don't have any regrets. There's you know, there's many things I enjoy more. But you know, another piece I think everybody should be aware of is like don't beat yourself up or blame yourself for being where you are. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's, you know, 
so many things about society and the images that are put in our face about how, you know, bonding has to happen over like alcohol. It's a, it's the definition of success. It's how you unwind. It's how you celebrate. It's how it's, you know, this, this thread of, of, you know, of your life that, um, you know, that's, that's what advertising does. Advertising appeals to your, mm -hmm. appeals to your self-conscious, but those things just aren't true. You know, if you, if you're in this space, like there's no need to, to regret your journey or, what you've had in the past or, you know, even your drunken stories with your college buddies, like it's fine. Like there's no mm -hmm. reason to think that those things never should have happened. They did, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's probably not who you want to be going forward. Yeah. And that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. You think of like the, the sporting event that it's become when, you know, like wine, especially for women and, uh, you know, the bourbon culture now for, for men as being this like bonding sporting event type thing going on these bourbon trail situations. Um, and, and you can still go. Yeah. You can still <laughs> do those things. Go. And go. The, the reason why you want to go on those things is because you are, you know, hanging out with people you want to hang out with. You're connecting with people. You're doing those things. It's just, it's only going to be better without the alcohol that gets, yeah, that numbs everything, dulls everything, and makes everything messier and more expensive. But yeah, Dan, thank you so much for being willing to show up here and share vulnerably your story. And <laughs> we'll, well, we'll stay in touch and live well, our lives yeah. the way we live it yeah. now. I mean, that's what we're gonna do. So the, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Maybe we should put that in the shop. Or oh. after photo, do I have it? Probably. Send it okay. over to us and we can uh, we can throw in our show notes if you want. Hey, oh, you said man. you do vulnerable now, buddy. Okay. We're like, you know, True. put your feet to the fire here. Yeah, I can, <laughs> uh, I can send over a few things too. And another one too, I used to, I used to always wear, you know, now it's an Apple Watch at the time. It was a Fitbit. And, oh, yeah. and I, and I had this and I, you know, brought in some data, like, and I would write in like booze and no booze and like my boozy sleep nights. It's like, you'd have this line and then these yeah. really harsh, like violent up and down lines about when I would wake up through the night. And then it's like, oh, here's a night with no booze. And it's like, we need, we need proof. We need the receipts for that one, please. Yeah. So we yeah. Can All right. I can send, do that. Send the data, man. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both so much. <laughs> me, thanks so much for everything. Christy, thank it's a pleasure to meet you. And thank, thank you for you. having me as a guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. We so appreciate it. And we'll, we'll see you soon. All right. Sounds we'll good. See y'all next week. Bye y'all. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.